but I am stuck. So we're in 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 14 through the end of the chapter. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who, though, who, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good job, Eva. Well done. Next week, Ava, are you on? Sorry, I shouldn't call attention to you. All right, peace. Peace, my friend. Uh, do you want to translate or do you not want to? Just do English today? English, are we okay? Okay. All right, we're doing English, only English. All right. It's going to be weird. I can preach longer then. All right. All right, I want to... Bring us back to verse 17 and 18 of Second uh, Corinthians 5. And you can look that up in your Bibles if you want, but also it'll be on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, another version says. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you, we, the ministry of reconciliation. I want to proclaim some good news to us today that in the midst of a world that is full of division, that is full of demonization, that is full of bitterness and separation, broken relationships, into this world, Jesus has come. And he's making all things new, as it says here. He's making all relationships new. The old has passed and the new is here right now. And the spirit of the living God is among us right now. And he's inviting us to be reconciled at his table. And we are, I want to speak what we are. By God's grace, we are people who are reconciled to God and who are those who reconcile others, not only to God, but to one another and to all of creation. We are people of peace. We are people of shalom. I don't know if you've uh, watched Ink Master. Anyone watch Trashy TV like me? Okay, all right. Over the pandemic, I watched 11 seasons. This is confession time. I just counted 11 seasons of Ink Master, all right? Um, and I don't feel bad about it. 
It's a tattoo, it's a reality show um, around tattoo, uh, tattoo artists who come together. There's 18 or 20, it starts off with tattoo artists, and they put them all in one house, right? And you know that always goes really well, and they all get along. No, they cuss each other out every day. It's a beat fest, and they just um, run each other down. They deceive each other, they beat each other down with their words, and they, it's just this, this horrible competition. But I love watching it. I don't know why. It's for the tattoo. It's for the artwork. Not for the drama. <laughs> but but um, there's one season called Rivals. Right? And this is where they bring competing tattoo artists from the same city all to the same house. So there's pairs. And these pairs are rivals. They hate each other um, for whatever reason. So then they bring them together. And... Uh, sticking out in my mind are these, this one pair, it was two brothers, two tattoo artists. One had been tattooing for much longer than the other, and these brothers just hated each other. And they come on the show to like work out all of their dysfunction. And um, they, would, they would just belittle each other, um, slam each other, hurl words, just horrible words at each other. And it got to like fist fights sometimes, you know, reality TV, whatever. But on the camera, like the interviews in between the fights, right, both of them at different times with tears choked up, was like, I just want my brother. I want to be in a relationship with my brother. I wish we could put past all the stuff, all the junk that we've gone through that we keep on bringing up and hurling at each other's faces. I wish we could be reconciled. Both of them, with tears, saying this on this television show. And I, I can relate to that. I can relate for that longing to see a relationship like restored. I can relate to feeling hopeless that a relationship is just broken, that it's just getting worse and worse, that bitterness and unforgiveness keeps on taking a deeper and deeper hold and, and maybe even I contribute to more pain because I don't know the way out. But deep down inside, I, I want there to be healing. I want there to be restoration. I want there to be reconciliation. I want that relationship to be whole again. Can you relate to that? Can you feel that? Can you feel that in your, in your family dynamics, in your marriage, in, your, in, your, in our neighborhood? Can you feel it in our church? There's relational tensions. Let's just be honest. Even in our midst here. So we come out of COVID. We're raw. All we've seen of each other is Facebook posts. And we're just like coming, coming in. And there's relational tension. And we see this in the world. We see this in the political um, landscape. We see this all over the place, whether it's racialized pain, whether it's relational um, betrayal that we've experienced, whatever it is. But in this, in this reality, in this struggle, in this relational pain, again, I want to proclaim this good news that Jesus, in the midst of relational brokenness, in the midst of division and demonization and separation and broken relationships, God is here. Jesus is at work, and he is bringing about reconciliation. 
He is restoring our relationships. He is healing our relationships. He is inviting us to his table, his table of reconciliation and peace. And he's inviting us to be people of reconciliation and peace, people of shalom. So we've been talking about shalom this week in our house churches this month. We started about looking at shalom uh, in ourselves. How do we relate to peace? How are we experiencing peace? How are we experiencing the absence of peace in our lives? And then the next week we took a look at our neighborhood, right? And we, we looked to see where, where is peace at work? Where is peace breaking through? Where is Jesus at work cultivating shalom in our neighborhood? And then last week we looked at some scriptures about God's heart for peace. Really, you could sum up the kingdom of God as shalom. What is shalom? It's the word we translate peace in the scriptures. And it's, it's relational wholeness or wellness in three directions. Do you guys remember what these three directions are, what these three relationships are? The biblical understanding of peace isn't just like that we're all getting along and singing kumbaya. It's deep. It's profound. Shalom is relational wellness, restoration between us and God, our creator. It also includes restoration and wellness between each other, human beings and human beings. And then it's so huge, it goes beyond just human relationships and relationship with God. Shalom is restoration and wellness with us and all of creation, with the earth, with the rivers and the trees, the environment, the ecosystems. God is bringing healing to all of this, wholeness to all of this. This is the good news. This is what Jesus is doing. This is shalom. And I want to call us into our identity as peacemakers. You see I wore a shirt? So you remember it better. Peacemakers. I want to call us into our identity as peacemakers. As people who have been invited to the table of Jesus and have experienced reconciliation with God and are invited to be a part of the reconciliation of all things by the Spirit of God. And I want to look at 2 Corinthians 5, our, our verse here that Mike read to us, 5, 14 through 6, 1. And here's the quick background here. Paul is writing his second letter. That's why it's called, Trump famously called it 2 Corinthians. But uh, 2 Corinthians, the second letter of Corinthians. And uh, it's the second letter because he had written the first one, right? And the first letter was Paul talking to the Corinthians uh, about some really hard stuff. He's calling them out of a life of sin. He's calling them out of a life of some pretty dysfunctional, unhealthy habits of life, like super harmful behaviors. And he's calling them out. He's confronting them. He's saying, you need to come out of that life. Come into the life that Jesus has called you into. And of course, like me, when people call me out on stuff, I kind of get a little sensitive, right? Like, I'm like, no, my first reaction is, whatever, shut up, you're stupid. And I go on the offensive, right? Do you, does anyone relate? No? Yeah, when you, okay. <laughs> yeah, I see you. So, um, yeah, man, we get, we get, we lash out. And this is what the Corinthians did. They lash out. They lash out at Paul, and they start calling him weak, and they say, you're not a true apostle. 
Forget you. Who are you? I follow Apollos. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. But not you, Paul. And so Paul follows up with another letter after uh, several, I don't know how long actually, but months and months. And he follows up. And this is a letter working for shalom, working for peace, reaching out to the Corinthians and affirming his love for them. And it's a letter of reconciliation. It's a letter that works for shalom to restore the relationship between Paul and the Corinthian house churches. And so that's the context here. It's a letter of reconciliation, working for shalom. And um, he's reminding the Corinthians who they are, that they are people of peace who have experienced peace with God and are to extend peace to others. And so here's the overall point. We're going to jump in, but I just want you to get the overall gist of this portion of Scripture here. Basically what Paul is saying is to accept reconciliation to God through Jesus is to step into reconciliation as a way of life. Did you hear that? To accept reconciled relationship with God is to step into reconciliation as a way of life. If we're going to be at peace with God, then we are taking on the mantle, the identity of being at peace with all people and all creation. Our identity as restored in relationship to God is one that is going to be restored to all people and to all relationships. And so that's what he's saying. You, in other words, you can't be reconciled to God and not be reconciled to other people. It doesn't work that way. You can't experience division in your relationships and be experiencing shalom in your relationship with God. Reconciled people reconcile people. Can we see that? Does it make sense? Reconciled people reconcile people. People who are reconciled to God, reconcile. And so, verse 17, should be on the screen, good, almost. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciled people, reconcile people. So if you are invited to be in a peaceful and restored relationship with God, then you are to be at peace and to work for peace in all other relationships. I want to give a little example here because I see this, the metaphor of a table. I love the table. You see open doors, open tables, open hands. We are people that open our doors, open our tables, and open our hands to one another and to all. And Jesus, we, we are that way because Jesus has invited us to his table. So could I get Carnell? Can you come up here, man? I want to invite you to my table here. Would you invite you to my table? Come on up here. Austin, can I have you up at the table? Can you come? Yeah, sure. Come on up. If you want. And let's see. Who else? Who else? Joey, do you mind coming up? I want to invite you to my table. All right. Pretend you're sitting at this table. This is my dinner table. So Jesus invites us. Thank you. Jesus invites us to be restored in a reconciled relationship with him. He invites us to dinner. This is what Jesus is always doing throughout scripture, right? 
Like he invites people, most often people who are considered the worst of the worst, the outcasts, the socially uh, marginalized, he invites them to eat with them. This is a sign, a symbol that he is healing and bringing into restoration everyone back to God, reconciling his relation, their relationship to God. So if I invite Carnell over to my table and he accepts the invitation, I am saying, hey, we're going to be buddies. We're going to be in relationship. We're going to, be, we're going to eat together. We're going to share life together. We're going to have fellowship together. You're going to be in relationship with me. We're going to be all good, right? Because you're at my table. If Carnell, and I, I, I do the same with Austin, and he's invited to my table, and I do the same thing with Joey. He's invited to the table. We're experiencing a reconciled relationship. They have received salvation. They have received wholeness and healing and shalom in their relationship with God. But here's the thing, and this is the thing we don't often like, that God doesn't invite us to, like, solo meals. He's not into one-on-one dating, okay? If that, okay, let's not go too far with that metaphor. But here's the deal. If I invite Carnell to my table, he comes to the table at which everyone else I've invited is present. Does that make sense? He's coming to a dinner party. And so... When he comes into relationship with me to eat at my table and to experience fellowship with me, he's not only experiencing fellowship with me, he's experiencing fellowship with all those at my table. And so to be reconciled to God is to be reconciled and in fellowship and in relationship with everyone who's been invited to Jesus' table. Are you with me? All right, let's say Austin and Carnell, just slap Austin real quick, just real quick, just like nice and easy, not too hard. Okay, all right, there you go. They get in a fight, they get in a disagreement. Austin shoots back some really mean words. It hurts Carnell's feelings. He shoots up some other words, and, and there's a fight, and there's disunity, and there's break. Now, we're at Jesus' table. We've got to work it out. We've got to experience shalom. But if Carnell says, you know what? I'm not going to work. It's not worth it. I'm not going to deal with this. And he says, I can't be in a relationship with Austin. I'm leaving the dinner table. Don't go too far away. Right there. You're leaving the dinner table. Who's he leaving? Everybody else. He's leaving Austin. He's leaving Joey. But he's also leaving... I'm not... I'm, you know, Jesus. All right? He's leaving the host of the table. To step out of relationship. To step away from relationship. From one another. From brothers and sisters in Christ. Is... Is to step away from relationship with Jesus. If he chooses to stay and work out and be a part of the wholeness and healing, then we work things out around the dinner table. We work things out in the kingdom of God. We pursue peace and justice and shalom. We don't walk away from relationship. We work it out. All right, you guys can Thank you. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. All right. So we... I, like, I like that slow clap. Whoever did that, that was good. All right. We are invited to the table of Jesus. And we reconcile people, reconcile, reconcile people, reconcile people. We are peacemakers by nature of our reconciliation with God. We are reconciled with all things. And this is what Paul is calling people to. This is one of the reasons Jesus teaches us uh, that forgiveness is tied to his forgiveness. Our forgiveness of others seems to be connected to his forgiveness of us. 
He says in Matthew 6, 14 through 16, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Then he says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. See the connection there? It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. The level and the willingness to which we are willing to forgive and to pursue peace and to pursue shalom with one another is evidence of, a, of our relationship with God. Have we truly been restored with God? Uh, Dorothy Day, founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, said that we love God as much as the person we love least. Can you let that sit in for a minute? We love God as much as the person we love least. This is the flip side of it. This is the flip side of it. The two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 25, it says that um, when you served the, the, when you visited the person in prison, when you gave the thirsty a drink, when you fed the person who was hungry, Jesus says, you were doing that to me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you've done to me. The, the person, we, we, we show our love for God through our love for one another. We evidence our reconciliation with God through the, to the extent to which we reconcile and make up with other people and forgive other people. So I've got, I'm going to put the rest in an email, all right? Because <laughs> there's more, but I don't, I want this to sit with us. We, in a moment, after we sing uh, a little bit more, we're going to eat together, and it's the first time we've eaten together in a long, long time, since March of 2020. And this has been central to our life together, to our community's life together. You can see the little quote on the back. As we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions. We believe that as we share fellowship around the table, Jesus is in our midst, working shalom, working healing, working restoration, working forgiveness. But we have to participate in that. We get to choose to be a part of his table and to pursue one another and be reconciled to one another, to be at peace with one another, and also to invite others to the table. He says we are ambassadors of reconciliation having been reconciled to God. So I just want to ask you these last uh, couple questions uh, as you consider your response. We're going to sing, and I'll, gonna, I'll, I'll invite you up, Charlie, to... Um, I just want to ask you, how is God inviting you to respond to other people at the table? How is God inviting you um, to respond to other people's table. See, the table of Jesus, we can get the wrong idea. It's not like a super long table that you're okay if you're, if, you know, you just have to, if you're experiencing um, tension with somebody, you can just sit at the other end of the table. Um, I know it, it works like that in real life, in this life, but in the spiritual realm, you're always like right across, right across the table from them, right across the person. If you're at the table of Jesus, you're right across the table from the person that you have an issue with that has hurt you, that has wounded you. So to come to the table of Jesus is to commit to reconciling with that person, to not leave. So who's that person? 
Who are those people? Is there a broken relationship that needs reconciliation in your life? Is there something you need to ask forgiveness for? Is there someone you need to forgive? Now, this doesn't always happen instantly, quickly, but what step can you make towards reconciliation? Maybe there is a relationship in your life. It says in Romans 12 that as much as it is up to you, be at peace. Cultivate shalom with one another. As much as it is up to you. That means go as far as you can go. You can't force the other person to meet you there. But you pursue it as a follower of Jesus, as one reconciled at the table. And so, what's that next step to pursue reconciliation? Maybe you've done everything, and the person just said, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to see you, I don't want to hear from you. Then here's one thing you can still do. You can still pray. You can still pray that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the living God who is among us and in our midst, reconciling all things to himself, reconciling all relationships, would be at work, softening your heart, softening their heart, and bringing restoration so that you can experience shalom around the table of Jesus. So would you just, as you sing to the Lord Jesus in worship, that's an affirmation. You are saying, I am worshiping Jesus. I've been reconciled to God. And therefore, you are saying, I am at the table of the Lord. And I'm at the table with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm at the table with my neighbors in the international district. And I'm at the table with everyone who crosses my path seek and pursue shalom through the blood of Jesus. So let's sing these last few songs and then we'll eat together. If you're on a light team, come on. Go ahead and stand if you would, if you would like. <laughs>